The words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're all here today. Nice, nice sunny day. I want to talk to you this morning about this Genesis reading. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. I think religion is not so much about freedom as it is about obedience, and we're all more for obedience than we are freedom, right? I don't think so. Its value is measured by the sacrifices it can extract from people. What am I willing to do or what am I willing to give up or go through for my faith? Certainly true of the Christian faith. There's a lot of risk involved. It was true of Abraham and Isaac. And we know that sacrifice can be costly, but we always have a choice. We can say yes or we can say no. Big idea today is God asks his faithful people to have unshakable faith in the midst of unthinkable circumstances. He asks his faithful people to have unshakable faith in the midst of unspeakable circumstances. Themes today are faith, trust, obedience, and provision. A little bit of a progression here. Listening leads to hearing. Hearing leads to faith. Faith leads to trust. Trust leads to obedience. And obedience leads to blessing. God blesses faithful obedience. Deuteronomy 6.3 says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do these things, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. And Exodus 19.5 says, Therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. There the blessing comes from obedience. So this test today is designed to see to what extent Abraham would obey the Lord. Was God after Isaac? Is God into child sacrifice, like Molech? God is not arbitrary. God is not capricious. So the answer is no. We know this was a test. Abraham did not know it was a test. He thought it was the real thing. And yet Abraham trusted God because he knew his character. And his character was loving and faithful and good. This was a test designed to determine if Abraham truly feared the Lord, his one and only son, Isaac, is to be sacrificed. But Hebrews 11 tells us that the promise would be fulfilled through Isaac, and Abraham believed Isaac would be raised from the dead because God does not break his promises, and he is always good. So despite bleak circumstances, I think there's some lessons today. First, God tests the faithfulness of believers by asking them to surrender their Isaacs. He wants us to relinquish that which holds us back or comes between us and God. It means to let go of or to cease to hold in the hand. It is trusting God when we can't see an outcome. You wonder what what are your Isaacs, your family perhaps? Does your family get in the way of your relationship with God at times. Maybe your career, your job gets in the way of your relationship with God at times. Maybe it's financial stability or financial security gets in the way of that. 
Maybe it's your country. You put your country first before God some ways. Maybe it's your church. You put your church before God. It may sound like a good idea, but it's never a good idea to put anything before God. Today, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses, and follow him. That was in the gospel today. The second thing is faithful believers are willing to surrender the best they have to God, trusting that the Lord will provide. Abraham responds to God without hesitation, no question. Doing things uh, that involve a risk or experiencing something you didn't expect was going to happen. Um, I've said this story before, but some of you hadn't heard it. About 40 years ago, and I can't believe I'm saying it's that long, I was the executive officer of a Navy frigate, USS Boone, and we were in the Persian Gulf. We are getting ready to deploy to the Persian Gulf. And we're going to be over there for about six months. And Kathy comes to me and, with this bag of Christian uh, booklets and tapes and tracts and things. She says, you need to take this. I said, I'm not taking that. I don't have any room. What am I going to do with that? Take it. (laughs) It was 40 years ago, so my memory might be a little fuzzy on that. So I took it and I found a place to store it. We pull into this port in Saudi Arabia, and a, a, a Navy lieutenant, reserve lieutenant, comes aboard. And he was there as a liaison officer but with the Saudi Navy and the U.S. Navy. And he comes up to my stateroom, and, he, and he's, we're talking, and I discover he's a Christian, I'm a Christian. We start talking. And he confides in me that he has started an underground church 40 years ago in Saudi Arabia. 500 people. They meet at night at people's homes, only 10 at a time. He says, my problem is I can't get any Christian information or stuff. He says, they go through the mail, they even go through diplomatic pouch. I I don't know what I'm going to do. Can you use any of this? He looks in the bag, he starts crying, I start crying, and this is why we brought the bag. Thank you very much. What is the risk to him if this gets found out? He'll get kicked out of the country. No, boom, you're out. We don't want this guy here anymore. He's he's bad news. He's corrupting our people. What if you are one of the people in the underground church and you get caught? Probably going to take your head. There was a real risk involved in that, but they wanted to be faithful to God and believe that this is what he wanted them to do. So they did it. You know, there's a risk. How about unexpected circumstances? Last week, uh, a high school student in a Mercedes rear ends another car with a young couple in it. They were going out for ice cream. They have children, but they weren't with them. The car flips. Both people are dead. Now you have these children and the grandparents going, what? I don't know what the faith situation is like in that family, but I'm hoping that they have faith in God. I'm hoping their faith can get them through this unexpected, unbelievable set of circumstances that they did not expect. I think of Bishop Vitalis. His wife goes to have dinner with her mother, 
goes for a walk and doesn't come back. And next thing you know, she's dead. Totally unexpected. Didn't see it coming. Difficult beyond all measure. Four children, a diocese that's growing, ministry to do, family to take care of. But this is a man of faith. And through it, he has trusted God to supply his need. And God is faithful to supply his need and keep him going strong for the kingdom of God and minister and be a faithful father to his family at the same time. The Lord knows our needs. He cares about our needs. Well, how about leaving grace? (laughs) Here we are. In the early 2000s, things were going south in the Episcopal Church. I was a deputy to two general conventions. Kathy and I went to Minneapolis and we went to Columbus, Ohio. Things just got worse and worse and worse. And we thought, well, we're going to start the Anglican Communion Network, 14 dioceses that were orthodox and biblical. That would be enough to turn the ship. Mm, Not so much. So in 2007, we knew it was over. There was no staying. So we worked out a deal with the Diocese and Grace Episcopal Church to stay until June. And then something happened in January. I'm not going to remind you of it. But something happened in January, and I said, we have to go now. We're not staying. It's not going to work. Where are we going to go? I don't know. I I called the junior warden at the time. It was Wes Hare, and I said, Wes, we need to go. We need to go now. We need to find a place. His CPA was in the office, and she goes to Living Waters. She says, well, we just closed the school, and we have a sanctuary we're not using. Come on over and take a look. Kathy took a group over. I couldn't go, and she said, this is perfect. They came back. The pastor over there, Randy Watson, said, you all come. Now, Monday night, you and Jim Wilkerson have to come over here and talk to my board, but if they say no, you will have one new member of your congregation. That would be me. (laughs) Well, they said yes, and we went. And we had a wonderful 10-year run at Living Waters. We stepped out in faith because of unexpected circumstances, and God knew our need, he met our need, and he blessed it. This is what he does. Third thing is faithful believers enjoy the assurance of God's blessing. Psalm 62 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Mm. Part of our problem is we do not trust God. We question and second-guess him. We don't trust him to bless obedience. He tells me to tithe and and he will bless me, but I'm saving for a rainy day. You don't know my situation. I can't do that. And I think of Christ the King. We've been around for 16 years. We've never been in the red. Thank you. We give away 25% of all tithes and offerings every year. It's just something that we do. I'm not saying, oh, look at us, we're so wonderful. But God has called us to this, and we do it. We do it faithfully, and he continues to bless us. In a very short time, this whole project became debt-free. Didn't expect that to happen, but it did. 
We're building a building over here. And the bids came in, and I told you we were hoping between five and seven million. It came back at 4.2. We have chosen a contractor, McLaughlin Group. It's going to build it. We're working, we're down to two banks who might give us a loan if we need it. We have, it's a $4.2 million project. We have $2.2 million in the bank. We have more than half in the bank. And I'm hoping that it comes so we don't even need a loan. My hope is we get the shovel in the ground on April and we're in the school, we're in, the, in there by Christmas. Wouldn't that be good? Pray for that. Giving is an act of faith, trust, and obedience. I want you to forgive him. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know how I've been hurt. Yeah, I do, actually. But I want you to forgive anyway. Forgive those who have hurt you the way I forgave you for hurting me. Christ's requirements for discipleship allows for no rival loyalties and no holding back. I want more of you, Don. I want more of you. Christian life becomes a life of worship in which true worshipers fear the Lord and surrender themselves to him. As it says in the gospel, we die to self, we pick up our cross, and we follow him daily because he is trustworthy and faithful. And as I think of Jesus as Lord and God as Father, some questions come to mind. Do I really belong to him? Do I really recognize his right to me? He owns me. Do I respond to his authority and acknowledge his ownership, or do I resist it? Do I find freedom and complete fulfillment in this arrangement? Do I sense a purpose and deep commitment because I'm under his direction? In other words, do I find a sense of peace in this relationship? If we're in the habit of saying yes to God and not to self, if we can have unshakable faith in the midst of unthinkable circumstances, then the faith, trust, hope, and provision he offers will be ours even in the storm. Unshakable faith in the midst of unimaginable circumstances. God is faithful. Amen. All right.